We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into a uh, special edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast. Justin Rowland covers Kentucky for catsillustrated.com, part of the Rivals Network. They do a fantastic job. You've seen his work on our site a little bit uh, this week. I know they've used a little bit of my work on their site. It's like almost the power of the network, like it's supposed to be. It's not always that way. In fact, it's not that way very often, but it's that way sometimes, and it works. Justin, how are you? I'm good, Neil. Thanks for having me on. Uh, this is a big game. I don't know nationally people are paying attention to just how big this game is. Um, if you look at this game from the Ole Miss perspective and then you look at it from the Kentucky perspective, whoever wins this game wakes up on Sunday in a completely different realm of college football, really, because like you look at Kentucky, for example, let's give the Wildcats a win on Saturday. That puts them at 5-0. and Two and zero in the league, with two road wins. They would have gone to Florida and gone to Ole Miss and won. Well, do the math. They only have two road games left in the league, and they have, they still got to play Tennessee there. Um, they still got to play Georgia, but they get Georgia at home. And even in a scenario where you split those games, at a hypothetical eleven and one, there would be a conversation to be had. Uh, look at it from the Ole Miss perspective. If they beat Kentucky, they presumably are going to beat Vanderbilt. They get a beaten down Auburn team here. By the time they go to LSU, October the 22nd, they're 7-0, and probably ranked sixth-ish in the country. I mean, there's a lot on the line. Are Do people in, in Lexington, I know it's, it's basketball country, and we'll talk about the whole Stoops, Calipari thing in a minute, but do they get how big this game is? Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, they've had a few of these moments recently. Back in 2018, they played Georgia for kind of the de facto SEC East title game, and Georgia was just on another level that day. And kind of that's the elephant in the room. You still got to go through Georgia. Getting them at home is a small consolation. But whoever wins this game is going to be in the conversation nationally when those first playoff rankings come out. You know, it's – um. Kentucky, if you can beat, if you are capable of beating Florida in the swamp and Ole Miss on the road, um, then they're pretty high in the SEC pecking order. Before the season, I saw this game for Ole Miss, and it was it seemed pretty obvious to me that there was a chance that if Ole Miss beat Kentucky, they could be 8-0 going into that last ma- month of the season. So, um, yeah, it's a huge game. I still don't think we know a whole lot about either one of these teams, which is shocking. So, 
Um, the line, I'm not shocked that it moved in Old Miss's direction because people were bound to catch wind of that 0-10 Stoops SEC road record. And I think the offensive line hasn't inspired the most confidence. So it, it's weird. Kentucky's ranked number seven or eight. And you would expect the fans to be like euphoric, but I think they've matured as an SEC football fan base enough to recognize that it's not just about beating these FCS and group of five teams, we have to really dig in and see how's this going to hold up in the SEC. It's a credit to Mark Stoops that, that he's been able to uh, to win at, at a level that the fans look at it and go, okay, so there's here's the tears. I've talked about this all week to the point of it being, um, I think people are tired of hearing the number, although they should, they should rejoice in the number. These two programs have each won 15 of the last 18 games. Wow. That's, that's an Ohio State number. Ohio yeah, State has right. won 15 of its last 18 games. I mean, it gets overshadowed because Georgia and Alabama are so freaking great and dominant over the last couple of years, but nobody else is close to that in, in the SEC. Not LSU, not Tennessee, not Texas A&M, not Arkansas, not Florida. I mean, pick your school. They're not Auburn. Nobody's doing anything resembling that. It's it's really remarkable how um, how consistent and steady these two programs have been since the end of 2020. No doubt, yeah. And so Ole Miss is doing it in the West, which is a different animal. But Kentucky, I mean, for example, last year in the Citrus Bowl, I think they were down about nine starters, and they beat an Iowa team that won that division in the Big Ten. And so they, I think they have the longest or one of the longest non-conference regular season winning streaks, non-conference winning streaks, period. And so this is the other end. One of the he, he, Stoops has broken through a lot of barriers at Kentucky. The Florida streak, um, the Tennessee series has been reversed a little bit. It's more competitive, but that SEC signature West road win is is one of the next ones that he wants to break down. And and those games haven't even been all that close for Kentucky. So as excited as, as people are, I think there's there's a healthy dose of I don't want to say skepticism, but realism that this is another barrier they have to break down. I thought your take on this was pretty interesting because I asked you about it, the 0-10 SEC West, and you were like, yeah, it's there and it's real, but it's not quite as it's it's not as bad as 0-10 looks, even though 0-10 looks really bad. I mean, it it it's still there's a little bit there there are a few caveats to it, I think. Yeah, yeah. But they still you're right. They still have to go ahead and do it. Like until you do it, you want to see him do it. It's kind of like Tom Izzo against Duke. Like they 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 finally knocked him out in the Elite Eight with Zion, but I wasn't going to pick it until I saw it happen. Um, and um, you know, I I just think I I remember the first half of the Stoops era, and I remember how those teams responded when they got punched in the mouth, and they kind of folded. And I think he would probably tell you that the culture change, the culture had not changed yet, and so I really evaluate that that doesn't have a lot of relevance to me in terms of the game in 2022. But even last year, Kentucky jumped out 10 nothing against Mississippi State, and it's kind of the same script. They get a little closer to halftime. The, the adrenaline from the early part of the game is worn off. The patterns of momentum and shifts have set in, and they turned it over, put the ball on the turf, and it spiraled. And that has been a theme in these SEC West Road games. Number one, the offense has not played well enough in these games. And number two, turnovers have done them in. So two things to watch. What do you make of the offensive line issue with with Kentucky? We do a film thing. It's going to come out Thursday evening with uh, Pete Deweese. He's a kind of our football expert. He breaks down film. And we were looking at Kentucky-Florida film from this year, the game Kentucky won. And especially the right side of the Kentucky offensive line just really struggled. I mean, that's putting it nicely. Now, look, Florida's really talented up front on defense. They've got some dudes. 
but I was kind of floored by it. I mean, people talk about Levis, and, and there were a few plays where Levis just – there was nothing he could do. Yeah, and the scary thing for Kentucky is um, it's not a surprise. It's not a one-off. It's not like this doesn't make sense. You totally get why it would be happening. They went into the offseason expecting to get a, a offensive tackle from the transfer portal, left tackle, and that didn't happen. Tyler Steen probably would have ended up at Kentucky, but offensive line coach Eric Wolfer got hired at Alabama, and he's at Alabama now. Um, so they've got a left guard playing out of position at left tackle, really not his most comfortable spot, not ideal. They've got a new center. Anytime you have a new center, and they've really been spoiled with center play over the last decade, it hasn't been bad, it hasn't been a disaster, but it's a little more choppy, a little more inconsistent. They've got a redshirt freshman, Jagger Burton, who is, uh, I think, going to be a really good player, but he's a very young player. And uh, so in the middle where they've been strong, the interior's always been strong under Stoops, um, they're not as strong. They're not as deep. They got guys out of position. They don't have any depth, really. Um, so, it, yeah, it's a worst-case scenario for the offensive line. And in one year, it's gone from that big blue wall branding to this is probably the weakest spot on the team. They've been better in protection than blocking the run. So that's something for Ole Miss fans to know and look out for. And um, some of the sacks have been on Levis as well. But uh, So the protection, I would say, has not been that bad. But the scary thing is you mentioned the Florida game. That was probably the offensive line's best game of the season. So um, if Ole Miss fans are worried about their O-line the last game, it's been worse to Kentucky. You know, it's interesting because we talk about, like, I've said this for four weeks now with Ole Miss, and it's not Ole Miss's fault that when they scheduled Georgia Tech, Back in 2013, there was no way they could have known nine years later that that program would be an absolute dumpster fire. There's no way to envision that. But, you know, you play Troy, which is usually a pretty good team. And I think by the end of this season, Troy's going to be a pretty good team with John Summerall. You know John well. Yep. Uh, but it was week one, and they weren't good in week one in his first game. They played Central Arkansas, and they they just lost to uh, Hillcrest Elementary last night uh, in Ruston, 27-21. to 21. Congratulations to the Bear Kits. Um, no, but they're not good. And then Tulsa was Tulsa was fine. But you know, what was interesting about the Tulsa game was I thought Tulsa's when they had their starting quarterback before he got hurt, I thought they were moving the football. And I was like, oh, you know, Davis Brin is probably a very poor man's Will Levis. Uh, right. this is this is not a good sign. But on the flip side, Ole Miss scored 35 points and the second half was kind of flat and dead. And Kentucky was flat against Northern Illinois, which was somewhat predictable. I, I don't I don't have any idea what to expect, but I do think this for Kentucky's, this is on their ledger. They did get that trip to Florida a week after Florida had beaten Utah. That place was ready to roll. It was intimidating. It was loud. Kentucky was behind in the second half, and they came back and kind of dominated the the last quarter or so of that game in a way that elite programs, really good programs do. That's That's what really good teams do. They get challenged, but they respond late we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. That was a culture win. Yeah, for sure. They went into that game and they had the best possible game plan for Anthony Richardson. So if you're the best way to attack Kentucky's defense is with a experienced quarterback who sees the field, takes his check downs, is not going to force the ball into tight windows. If you're patient, that's the way to attack him. And as young as Anthony Richardson is, I just don't think he was ready to attack Kentucky's defense in the methodical way that you have to. And when his confidence I didn't actually put a whole lot into that game as far as evaluating uh, Anthony Richardson because you could just see this is not who he really is. His confidence is shot, and it just was it was it was snowballing. Uh, but they, they it was a culture win because they didn't fold when when things were looking bad. We mentioned before halftime, you can kind of tell which way the game's going for Kentucky. Florida's up sixteen to seven, and Jordan Wright made a ridiculous interception, and they just changed the momentum right before halftime. So. That's going to be interesting for me. Kentucky's going to be the first team on Ole Miss' schedule that it's really a question. Can this team slow the run game down? And what does Ole Miss look like when you slow them down? And then on the flip side, Kentucky's offensive line has looked bad at times against Youngstown State, Northern Illinois, Miami of Ohio. How does that translate once you get into SEC play? How disruptive is that for everything else you're trying to do against more talent? So I, I, I still don't think we know a lot about either team and how they're going to stack up in the SEC. I'm certainly no football coach, but I'm guessing Kentucky's strategy is to take away the running game from Ole Miss as much as they can and to put the game in Jackson Dart's hands. He's 19, had some starts at USC. He's had some starts now at Ole Miss, so he's not exactly a rookie, but he's still a very young quarterback. This is his first SEC game. I've got to think if I'm Kentucky, if I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose because Jackson Dart beats me. I don't want to lose because Zach Evans and and Quinshawn Judkins beat me. That's right, and – you know, at, on Monday, Mark Stoops talked about Ole Miss. He was very complimentary. And when they talked about the Ole Miss running game, the reporters were asking and, and talking about that ground game. Stoops was careful to say, don't assume this is a one-dimensional team, basically. They haven't had to pass. They, they've been able to play it close to the vest for a moment like this. You know that we're going to see things that they haven't shown this year. 
So it, it's not a foregone that that Dart, you know, is going to struggle to pass in this game. But I think both sides understand what Kentucky is going to do. They got to load the box. They got to slow down the run. And if if he beats you, then you can live with that. Um, and the receivers for Ole Miss, I think we're, we're talking, they know what the game plan is kind of going to be, and they got to take advantage of those opportunities because of the box being loaded. So so both sides kind of know what's going to happen. It's going to be a man-on-man uh, contest. I don't know which way that's going to go. I imagine Ole Miss is going to get their share of yards. Kentucky is solid against the run. I wouldn't call them overpowering against the run. And this will be by far the biggest test that they faced. How much does Chris Rodriguez's return impact things? What's his status? I mean, Stoops almost sounds like he's still sort of irritated at him about what happened. Um, but I'm assuming that that goes out the window when the, when the game starts. How much does he change, if at all, the offensive line? Does he – I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this story. I've, I've talked to people for a long time about this. Uh, Hugh Nall, the former Auburn offensive line coach, played at Georgia with Herschel Walker, part of that national championship team. And one day he said, I'm going to find out how, how much football you know. So I was a young guy covering Auburn, and he goes – if you could have five average offensive linemen and a great running back or five great offensive linemen and an average running back, which would you rather have? And so I'm thinking, well, this guy played offensive line. Uh, five great offensive linemen. He's like, uh, nope, you want the great running back. Rodriguez is a really good back. How much does he raise the level of play of an offensive line that so far has been kind of mediocre? It wouldn't shock me if he came out and rushed for 100 yards. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised at that. I think it's going to be um, a slower comeback acclimation than, than Kentucky fans probably want to believe. I think everybody understands the line has struggled enough that it's not going to look like vintage C-Rod probably. Uh, the wide zone does give you a chance to rip off more chunk plays in the running game, and I assume that that, that, that will be more part of the offense. There, were, there have been times when Cavassier Smoke has run hard – but there have been times when he's hit the wrong hole. Uh, he had some ball security issues. Ball security has been a problem for C-Rod as well. I think the last time Kentucky and Ole Miss played in 2020 in that wild game, I think Kentucky had some fumbling issues as well. Um, but, yeah, he's he doesn't take negative yardage plays. Both of the last two offensive coordinators have said that. What sets him apart is what you think is a minus two-yard run turns into a four-yard run, turns into a three-yard run, and just keeping you ahead of the sticks – they haven't had that. They've made up for it by how explosive their receivers have been. They've been able to get out from behind the chains for the first time in many years. Uh, but in SEC play, they're not going to have that same talent advantage on the outside against teams they face. And so they have to stay ahead of the sticks better, eliminate those tackles for loss. That's been a big problem. And he, he will help them with that. I, don't imagine, is he going to get runs of 20, 25 yards like that? We'll see. If he can help them cut back on the number of negative yardage plays, that's a huge thing for the offense. Tell me about Will Levis. I see the we see the videos of him putting the mayonnaise in his coffee and stuff <laughs> like that. But yeah, yet I talked to some NFL guys who I know who are absolutely intrigued by this guy as a football player, as a guy. They think he can he can be the face of an NFL franchise down the road. Not today, but down the road they love him you've been around him a lot more than i have what, what what's he like he's a fiery competitor he has an inner fire self-motivated not the kind of guy that you got to go make sure he's okay he's a set it and forget it face of the franchise guy if the throwing is where it needs to. he's not a surgeon that's the thing he, he forces some throws that probably shouldn't be forced occasionally i don't want to say he gets lazy 
but maybe at the end of a drive, you know, at kind of a uh, blah part of the game, he, he, he short arms one and it'll be an interception. He has to improve the ball security, but in terms of the release elite, uh, the arm strength elite made a, a throw across the field, 52 yards, placed it perfectly right outside of Dane Key's hands last week. And it was an incompletion, but there can't be more than a handful of quarterbacks at the college level that could make that throw. He's made throws off of his back foot with the kind of velocity and accuracy that, you know, is like in a video game. Um, and, and he's a kind of guy who can run you over. He runs a little bit like Tim Tebow. So maybe I shouldn't put it like this, but if you could imagine Tim Tebow as a guy who actually did have great NFL potential, that's a little bit of what he looks like. I think the Josh Allen comp is probably the best one. He's just got to develop into more of a surgeon than just a sledgehammer. But just as a sledgehammer, he's a pretty darn good player because he he tests you at every spot on the field, and now he's got those explosive receivers who can get separation. Is this a Mark Stoops' career job? Does he does he stay at Kentucky now? If his name pops up in other places, but he's seen, he's certainly been at Kentucky for a while. He seems happy. He seems invested in some of the things that Kentucky is known for: bourbon and the horse racing and all of that stuff. Like he's pretty happy there. Is what what I talk to people is. If Iowa comes open, if Auburn comes after him, is this a job that that he stays at Kentucky? The longer it goes on, the more I think he'll, he'll he may end up at Kentucky as a career guy. You know, it's, the thing that's really helped him is it took him so long to get it off the ground. He didn't win too much too fast. If that had happened, you know, Florida State might not have passed him over a couple of times. That's the one that I think has always looked really good to him. Florida State, they've won three titles since 93. He's been an assistant there. He's got a great name presence there. It seemed like he kind of liked the idea of his name being linked to that Florida State job. When it comes to Iowa, that's his alma mater. But I don't I don't see this deep emotional connection to Iowa that would necessarily pull him away from what he's built at Kentucky, you know. A lot of little anecdotal things. He's been very cautious on the NIL thing for some, and and he always comes back to we don't want to blow up what we've built here. And he seems like a guy who's very careful about what he's done over the past decade and has a long view in mind. And of course, Kentucky compensates him. He's very highly paid, going to be up towards six million dollars as, as his next contract round of the contract kicks in, and he gets auto extensions for seven wins. The SEC. I mean, where else are you going to find a deal like that? Have he and John Calipari kissed and made up yet? Are they still, <laughs> is that still tension? Because it seems like there, tension was kind of real. There's been a couple of olive branches extended, but it hasn't been the kind of embrace, okay, we're good now, that <laughs> put everything to rest. I just think Stoops thought it was an unprovoked, unnecessary shot. It's. I think the basketball school thing is something that they live with and they know they're always going to have to live with it. Realistically, everybody knows Kentucky is probably always going to be thought of as a basketball school. The fact is the basketball coach at Kentucky, as he hasn't won a postseason game in you know, basically three years now, and Kentucky's won several bowls in a row, two 10-win seasons the last four years, like why are you unnecessarily goading these guys and giving, you know, ammunition to, to the enemy in recruiting because they they do recruit against that so stoops made it bigger by going and retweeting some of the stuff that was out there and i was shocked but maybe the biggest takeaway is that's how much clout the football coach has at kentucky that he can take on the basketball coach and not back down and not apologize and as crazy as it is he's probably a more popular figure at kentucky than john calipari right now and i don't think that's probably close actually
you know, Justin, I thought he did what he had to do. I thought in that moment, he had to go defend his program, a program that he has built and built from a place where they were not good uh, at all when he got there to a place that, look, they're playing this national game on Saturday as the seventh-ranked team in the country. And if they win it, there's a real shot there in the playoff conversation when the calendar turns to November. That's 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 a major accomplishment. And for him not to defend it publicly when he got unprovoked attacked it would have been a bad look in that regard if he'd said, ah, well, that's just John, yeah. John or whatever. I, I thought he had to defend himself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the nuts and the bolts are key here. He has been very frustrated about the indoor facility at Kentucky. He hates it. He wants a new one. He's wanted one for a long time. It's a widely shared sentiment. And Calipari feels like we're falling behind where we should be in this basketball arms race. Let's remember it's a basketball school. Well, at the end of the day, the athletics director has pretty much already already signaled Calipari is not going to get his way. I, I, Kentucky's going to probably get the indoor facility before Calipari gets his indoor renovation. And that that is a sign of of how far Stoops has taken things. It wouldn't have happened 10 years ago. You know, last couple of things, it's also a sign of just how much money is coming to these schools from the TV deals. And you want to be at the very minimum relevant. And you and I are both covering schools that at times have been irrelevant and they know what it's like to be irrelevant in football. And, and truthfully, it sucks. And so you want to be relevant because being relevant like Ole Miss and Kentucky are right now is a hell of a lot more fun and you can make more money and you can raise more money and you can do more things when you're winning in football, even at a place like Kentucky where basketball is religion. Yeah. You can't be complacent. That's it. You just, whenever you have to re-inject capital, you've got to come up with new plans. It has to be an ongoing process of staying ahead of the curve. So Kentucky can probably get by in basketball in some ways on its name for longer than it can in football. If they if they ever got complacent and didn't Stoops didn't have this contract, you didn't have these auto extensions, you weren't throwing more into football funding and facilities, then all things being equal, they're going to drift down in the east because there are teams with more history, with bigger stadiums, with more densely populated populated surrounding areas, you know, the fact that Kentucky and Ole Miss have what they have, they've got to jealously kind of guarded and protected, and I'm sure they will. All right, last thing, uh, the game Saturday at 11 here, noon Eastern. Not asking you for a pick. You can throw one in if you'd like to, but what's the one thing, the one stat, the one thing you're watching for uh, over the course of the game that you think, hey, that's probably going to show me who wins? It sounds so cliche because it's not a unique thought, but I don't see Kentucky winning with a negative turnover margin. Last year, they were one of the worst teams in the country in turnovers and were still a 10-win team. But I don't knowing how these SEC West games have gone, uh, if Will Levis throws a pick or there's a strip sack and Ole Miss returns it for a touchdown in the first couple of minutes of the game, that's just kind of where they've lost these games in the past. So if they, what I've told people is if Kentucky plays a clean game, no turnovers, maybe even just one turnover, I think they've got a good shot, but you know, if they turn it over twice, more than twice, I think, forget about it. It's just hard to see them overcoming that in this kind of environment against a a team that can run the ball like, like Ole Miss. Justin, as always, man, appreciate uh, everything that you do. I'm a big fan of your site, your work, and thanks for joining us here on the Oxford Exxon podcast. Appreciate it, man. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.